Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. And on today's episode, we want to continue our discussion on miracles, arguments for miracles. reason why we are talking about arguments for miracles is because there are those in today's society that do not believe in the God that we believe in. As a result, uh, they are skeptical when it comes to the viability and the reality of miracles. And as always, I'm not interested in those who are trying to be argumentative, those who believe they have it all together and they are certain that Christianity is wrong. I'm not talking about those people. Jesus himself talked about um, the fact that he did not come for the Uh, the well he did not come for those who thought they were okay he came for those who knew they were sick those of us who knew that we had a sin problem and that we needed a savior to save us from our sins and so I'm not interested in uh, those who believe they have it all together but there are those in our lives those that are in our homes those in our churches, those at work, those in the community that have a sincere and open spirit. And they want to know about our God. They want to know about the supernatural signs and wonders and miraculous event that we brag about. Uh, Easter is right around the corner and uh, there are those inside and outside of the church that would like to know about the resurrection. So we as believers, we have to make sure that we know the right things to say in accordance to the scriptures so that we can accurately give the information and give the report that the Bible gives concerning the resurrection. And if you think about it, if I'm not saved and we're talking about a savior who laid down his life that he may pick it back up on the third day. And then on third day, not only did he get up, but he defeated death. And that is a hard pill to swallow for some people. And you may be saying, well, uh, if they had faith, they would believe it. That's true. We walk by faith, not by sight. And it takes faith to accept Jesus Christ. However, Jesus met everybody on their level. Jesus was able to identify with the struggles of the people that he was dealing with. When he spoke to the Samaritan woman, he met her on her level. When he approached Matthew, he met him on his level. When he talked to Zacchaeus, he met him on his level. So Jesus was able to meet people where they were. And he didn't assume that they wouldn't understand the things that he was saying That wasn't his issue. His issue was to share 
the kingdom of God agenda with everybody that he met. And as a result or uh, in accordance with that, we as believers have to emulate the example set by Jesus Christ. We can't ever just count people out because Christ and God did not count us out. We can't ever assume that somebody has committed such an egregious sin that they can't be redeemed or uh, somebody's been so difficult that they're not worth the gospel being preached to them. We can't ever assume that. So when it comes to miracles, we must keep in mind that God used it as a signpost that he may get the attention of the audience at hand. So whenever you see a miracle in the Bible, again, the miracles were not intended for frivolous reasons. They weren't intended to be a distraction. God performed the miracles to get the attention of those that were present that he may point to the greater message. So miracles are signposts. And as we discussed earlier, miracles have two facets to them. Miracles are to confirm the message as well as the messenger. Miracles were performed by God to authenticate his message as well as the messenger. So it's important that we realize this fact because God used miracles for a reason, for a purpose. And we can't hijack this concept of miracles by secularizing it and presenting it in the way that's inconsistent with scripture. When God performed a miracle, it was for a specific reason, not for something outside of his will. If you get a chance, read the book of Acts, the narrative dealing with Simon the sorcerer. When he saw the apostles performing miracles, he too wanted to do the same thing, but his motive and his intent was inconsistent with what God preferred. And as a result, he had to deal with the consequences that arose from his ill motives. So this year, uh, 2014, has been coined the year of Bible stories. Uh, a few months ago, uh, the miniseries, The Bible, received rave reviews for its depiction of Bible narratives. Now, the series, which was produced by Mark Burnett and his wife, uh, Roma Downey, was seen by millions of viewers. And I'm sure that some of you listening to us right now listen to or saw the miniseries, The Bible. As I watched some of the episodes, I found myself uh, captivated, especially in the areas of the signs and wonders uh, as God uh, did the things that he did with the Old Testament saints and, and he performed the signs and wonders in each one of those uh, narratives. And it took me back to the stories dealing with the origin of life as told through the Bible. Uh, stories such as the Noah story. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just a fictitious narrative, but the events surrounding Noah were real. There was a flood. There was a man named Noah. God used him uh, as a conduit for human redemption. Uh, the story goes on to talk about how the dove was commissioned by God himself and alerted Noah concerning the end of, uh, of the rain. Only God can produce rain 
and then commissioned a dove uh, to serve as a courier back and forth so that Noah may know when the rain would cease. I also had an opportunity to view the movie, The Son of God, produced by the same people. And as a disclaimer, let me say this. I would exhort all Christians to read the Bible for themselves. Despite their earnest attempts, uh, Hollywood often takes certain liberties which are contrary to the actual Bible narratives. So I'm not advocating uh, one uh, this movie. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, advertising it or or supporting it. But if you are led to go see it, please go see it. If not, read your Bible. Uh, the the best stories you can find in terms of uh, these classics are in the Bible. That's where they're supposed to get it from. And uh, even as we talk about this, there is an impending movie coming up uh, dealing with the story of Noah. And already uh, they are forced to come up with a disclaimer because the occurrences or the way they depict the story of Noah is inconsistent with classical theism. And again, it's inconsistent with what the Bible say. But because they want to sell tickets, uh, they have taken artistic licenses. And you can't do that with the word of God. If you're going to talk about the word of God, you have to stick with the way that it was written. You have to stick with the narrative, the way that God uh, deposited to us. One thing we can't not do. You can change your hairstyles. You can change your, your, your clothing, but you cannot take away from the word of God. And the Bible itself talks about that again. So in, in viewing the movie, the son of God, I found myself riveted by the mo modern recreations dealing with the miracles of Christ, the walking on the water and the mending of Malchus's ear when Peter sliced it off, the feeding of the multitude through the multiplication of loaves and fishes, the miracles uh, captivate us because it does not occur every day. They are again irregular. Miracles are irregular and they serve as a signpost for a greater message. And as I think about this, I also uh, am reminded of the 12 arguments as uh, composed by Dr. Norman Geisler uh, from his book, Unshakable Foundation. And for the other from for from his other book, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist with Frank Turk. And in the 12 arguments, he uses miracles as the centerpiece of his arguments supporting Christianity. So what I want to do is I want to share with uh, with everyone the 12 arguments for Christianity. And you can find it once again in Dr. Norman Geisler's book, Unshakable Foundation, as well as I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. You can find it in your local bookstores or uh, on the Internet. So the first premise, he has 12 arguments. The first premise is that truth about reality is knowable. There are some people who claim that we can't know the truth. And my question to them is, is that true? I'm not playing word games, but in terms of logic, if you say there is no truth, should we believe what you just said as true? So you can't get around it. 
truth is knowable and we do know some things for sure we know that there are no square circles we know that two plus two equals four all around the world and we do know that there are no uh square circles as i said and one plus one equals two and there are things we know for certain so truth about reality is knowable are we able to know certain things for truth opposites that's number two opposites cannot both be true at the same time in the same sense so again we're dealing with the law of non-contradiction which says that two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense so the first argument is we can know the truth we are able to know the truth the second one says Two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. So when someone says miracles are possible and another person says miracles are not possible, both statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. Then his third argument is that the theistic God exists. So the first one says truth, the truth about reality is knowable. The second argument says opposites cannot opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. Then his third argument says the theistic God exists. It is true that the theistic God exists. And then the fourth argument says if the theistic God exists, then miracles are possible. And that's what it's all about. If God exists, the God who created the first miracle ex nihilo meaning that he created the universe out of nothing if God who created everything from nothing if he's able to do that then why can't he perform miracles so for when people reject miracles oftentimes it's it's intertwined with their belief about God and for our purposes once again it's important that we always remember that God created the universe and the God who creates is able and powerful enough to fulfill his vows to us to fulfill his mandates to us so when God says that he would take care of our needs when God says that he would uh, help fight our battles for us when God said he would protect us he would shelter us when, when God said he would sustain us we can believe it because God cannot lie and we must learn to stand on his promises. Even when it seemed expedient for us to take shortcuts, even when it seemed expedient for us to relax and it seems expedient for us to go the way of the world. Even when it seems like the uh, conclusion or the objective is easier to 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 gain if we compromise our faith. We cannot compromise. We got to stand on God's word. Why? Because God is good for it. God is uh, legitimate in terms of him keeping his vows and he wants us to do our part. So when we follow the prescription that God gives us, everything turns out well. If you are uh, someone who cooks, and you want your dish to turn out a certain way, you can't blame 
the recipe book if you don't follow it the way that it was written. Likewise, if God tells us to do something and we decide to deviate from everything he tells us to do and it doesn't work out, well, we can't blame God. So if you uh, think about it, then this supernatural stuff, this, 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 uh, this, this miracle stuff is more than what a lot of us uh, think about. God's miracles, again, are signposts to a greater message. Think about when he comes back. When Jesus comes back and raptures up the church. When Jesus come back and he's suspended in midair and it says the dead and right, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise. That is miraculous. Again, he is not violating the laws of nature, but he's su simply suspending the laws of nature. So in Dr. Geisler's uh, 12 arguments, number four is that miracles are possible if number three is true that the theistic God exists. Then number five says miracles performed in connection with the true claim are acts of God through a messenger, uh, through a messenger of God. So miracles performed in connection with the truth claim are acts of God through a messenger of God. That's what we've been talking about, that God uses miracles to authenticate his messenger as well as his message. Then number six, the new Testament documents are reliable. Why? Because God exists. And if God exists, miracles are possible and miracles are performed to authenticate God's messenger as well as his message. And the New Testament is a message given by God. So there. So this argument is all interconnected. And as a result, the New Testament documents are reliable because God is reliable. If God is reliable, then his word is reliable. And the New Testament is the, is the word of God. So it is reliable. Number seven, as witness in the New Testament, Jesus claimed to be God. There are those who like to diminish the divinity of Christ. There are those who don't want to give him equality with the father. But this is not an accurate or sound doctrine. Jesus is indeed equal to the father. Uh, number eight, Jesus' claim to to his divinity was proven by unique convergence of miracles. His ability to perform miracles, again, number eight, his ability to perform miracles validate him as the Messiah. That's number eight. Number nine, therefore, Jesus was God in human flesh. His ability to perform these special miracles prove that he was the Messiah, that he was God in the flesh. Number 10. Whatever Jesus, who is God, affirms to be true, is true. Number 11, Jesus affirmed that the Bible is the word of God. And then number 12, the, third, the last one. Therefore, it is true that the Bible is the word of God and whatever is opposed to any biblical truth is false. So that is Dr. Geisler's 12 arguments in support of Christianity. But it hinges on this whole concept of. Of, of the miracles and the supernatural. Now we need to be careful. God does perform miracles and we must be able to distinguish miracles from magic tricks. Uh, magic still as you trace it 
magic still has its roots in explainable natural occurrences. But miracles uh, are traced back to God and miracles cannot be duplicated by human efforts. Miracles, uh, again, do not violate the uh, natural laws, but they suspend natural laws. So God can interfere uh, with a natural law without violating it. Likewise, or for, for an example, you may be saying, well, how can that be? Well, we suspend natural laws when, when we fly in airplanes. For the law says what goes up must come down due to gravity. Well, airplanes do not come down or fall to the ground. They fly. Why? Because we've learned how to suspend natural laws. When you throw a ball up in the air and you and you catch it, you are suspending natural laws and you're not allowing uh, that ball to hit the ground. Nature or the natural law says what goes up must come down. But you, through your act of catching it, suspended the natural law. So if we can do it on a limited basis, then why can't God do it on a supernatural basis? And again, when I think about the miracles, all the miracles in the Old Testament, all the miracles in the New Testament, I think about a supernatural God. I think about my salvation and how God is able to quicken my soul supernaturally. Um, I think about the resurrection. And this is what Paul talked about in Corinthians, that if the resurrection didn't happen, then our preaching is in vain. Then our worship is in vain. Then our praying is in vain. If the resurrection didn't happen. But thanks be to God that the resurrection did happen. In John 2, 19 through 22, he says, I laid down my body in three days. I will get up. And Jesus prophesied his death, but he also prophesied the victory that comes with his death, that he would get up on the third day. And as I stated earlier, Easter is coming up. It is a perfect opportunity to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and metaphorically. Jesus rose physically, but metaphorically, we too can rise with Christ in terms of the situations that we find ourselves in. We as Christians must learn to be overcomers. If Jesus can overcome death, why can't we overcome the things that we're dealing with? God sees us as overcomers and we have to agree with him that we can overcome. So it's my prayer that as we continue on in 2014, we learn the truth of the gospel, that we learn the sound doctrines, that we may go forth and share the gospel boldly, that others may know Jesus Christ for themselves. We pray that you got something out of the today's episode, and we will see you next week on Sound Reasoning. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. 
Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.